a trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. Our program is brought to you by great sponsors like MonticelloCollege.org, also by the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage, and LifesavingFood.com. In fact, I'm just going to mention this because we're in the final week of National Preparedness Month. You know, just in case anything got, I don't know, unstable, might be a good time to uh, trundle on over to uh, LifesavingFood.com because for the next few days through September 25th, my listeners can get 20% discounts simply by using HYDE, H-Y-D-E, as the coupon code at checkout. The link is there in the show notes. I want to welcome Eric Peters from epautos.com to the program. Eric, great to catch up with you once again. Oh, as always. And it's great to eat, too, isn't it? It is. Eric and I, before we went on the air, we were talking about uh, his progress on his chicken coop. And this is just one of those great little... Aspects of self-sufficiency, you know, you and your chickens are cooperatively, you know, keeping things happening. Well, it's it's both preparatory and it also serves the other purpose of disconnecting me from these these centralized nexuses of food delivery that increasingly provide tainted and unhealthy food, uh, leaving aside the issue of them having a chokehold around your neck uh, in terms of uh, threatening you with the loss of the ability to eat unless you comply, as with the face diapers, as with the jab. So I thought it behooved me to have chickens. I also have ducks. And in addition to that, um, I'm going to shortly, well, depending on how quickly I can get it all together, also put together a greenhouse so that I have year-round vegetables as well with rain catch systems and solar and all of that so that uh, if push comes to shove, uh, I won't be starving. I think that's important. Uh, my friend, you are a true subversive in the best possible mm-hmm. sense. Well, we all need to be subversive. That is the way we win in this, this battle that's underway right now. Uh, so many people are in this horrible position of facing the choice of losing their job or losing their ability to eat uh, if they don't comply. And the way that we combat that is not necessarily to get pitchforks or rifles, but simply to say, that's fine, uh, I'll provide for myself, thank you very much. And by doing that, we, we, uh, we undermine their power, if not take it away from them altogether and restore our power. And I think that is a critically important thing for us to do. Amen. Let's let's talk a little bit about the passing scene. I'm seeing some interesting stuff coming out of Australia, where the people mm-hmm. apparently are getting fed up enough with their government's uh, incessant tyranny of locking them down. Um, they're, they're actually beginning to fight back. Should I be encouraged or should I be uh, apprehensive? No, I'm encouraged. Uh, you know, you, you, you can push people so far. And a point is reached, and this is uh, a difficult point to nail down, but eventually a point is reached when people feel that they no longer have any reason to restrain themselves. You've literally almost driven them out of their minds and given them no option but to push back. Uh, That happened in America during the colonial era when, after many years of trying to come to some kind of reasonable rapprochement with the government of England about what the government of England was doing to the colonies, they finally, in exasperation, said, that's it. We're not taking it anymore. And I think that's what's happening in Australia. We're seeing this in France. We're seeing this in the United States now, too. 
uh, even at, at football games uh, in, in my area, at Virginia Tech uh, in Blacksburg, which is a pretty left liberal place, uh, the crowd was chanting, you know, expletive Biden at the, uh, the game last week. And apparently this is happening all over the country. People are reaching <laughs> the point of saying enough. We're not putting up with it anymore. Right. And I think that that is I think that's wonderful. It's heartening. We've been very patient, but I think our patience is rapidly coming to an end. Well, and there are some other positive developments that I've been seeing. Um, I don't know if you're aware. Have you seen the latest Project Veritas video that dropped last night? No, tell me. Okay, so they actually have a an employee of Health and Human Services within the federal government who got undercover footage of uh, of various health officials at, at a at a HHS hospital talking about how the vaccine is full of garbage and and basically expressing mm-hmm. doubts in the vaccine, even as government continues to push it like it's mm-hmm. the only thing that will ever save anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, minimally, we know it's not effective. Remember, they were telling us about how it was safe and effective. Yeah. Well, we know for certain it's not effective. They're, they're admitting it. It's not it's not any kind of a secret. Hence the need for the third jab, right? The booster, because apparently whatever palliative uh, effect that the thing has wanes pretty quickly in Israel, where more than 90 percent of the population has been uh, vaccinated. The, the number of cases is through the roof. The same in the U.K., and the same here, and it's impossible for them to suppress that anymore. So they've lost the effective rationale. And as far as the safe, you know, if you dig into that at all, you find that they're not safe, that, you know, in fact, this is the least safe vaccine that has ever been put into general circulation and is allowed to remain in circulation, notwithstanding the fact that we have thousands and thousands of serious adverse effects being reported to VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Reaction uh, 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 data aggregation system. It's it's incredible. And people are becoming wise to it. And I think that's why you're beginning to see the pushback. People are saying, you know what, I'm not doing this. You're not going to put my health at risk and you're not going to bully me. I'm not going to I'm not going to put up with it. Well, we have some good visual aids to work from as well. Now, um, I, I'm thinking to the Emmys. I'm thinking to the uh, Met Gala yeah. last week. And it's very clear. Look at this. The the elites are able to, to go about with no masks. But the servant mm-hmm. class, oh, yeah, they better be wearing theirs. Yeah. And they grant themselves exemptions. You know, they'll, I think in the case of the Emmys, which was particularly egregious, but I'm so glad that they did it because, once again, it shows the hypocrisy of them. Uh, they, 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 they carved out some exemption in the law for performing artists. So, again, it's clear that the rationale for this is not public health. It is not the prevention of disease. Uh, it is simply giving... Uh, entitlements to the elites while imposing mandates on the masses. Uh, if this had anything behind it that had to do with public health, there would be no exceptions. That's insane. You know, they accuse us of being super spreaders. If we go to a rally uh, outside, uh, you know, ride our motorcycles at Sturgis, that's, you know, that's something that's horrifically awful. But if you gather a bunch of Hollywood celebrities inside a closed building in L.A., where it has been forbidden for anybody to do that without wearing the face diaper, somehow that's okay if you're a famous celebrity. Yeah, and of course, the some of the justification comes in the form of, well, now remember, we're talking about sophisticated vaccinated people, as if there there really is, you know, they they are made of such finer clay than mm-hmm. us that uh, they really know what they're doing, and we should just shut up and do what we're told. Well, if the vaccines work, they work equally well for a celebrity and for an ordinary schlub who's gone out and gotten it. And it also is the case, and this has been conceded, that if you have natural immunity, you don't need the vaccination or the mask, and yet we're still compelled to do it. And it's because it's about submission. And people who can't see that right now, 
I, I don't know how they can't see it anymore at this point. It's so obvious to me, and I think to anybody who's got their, their head screwed on straight, that this is a submission ritual. It's about how far can we push people, how much can we get them to do just because we tell them to do it, not with any reason or rationale behind it, but solely because we tell you to stand on one leg and hop up and down. Well, I'm grateful to see that there are some people, including those in positions of authority. I mean, just wasn't it last week we had a couple of uh, officials at the FDA resign because of disagreement in how the vaccines are being rolled out. So I'm glad that 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 united front is apparently not as united as we're supposed to believe it is. Well, I think that most people aren't psychopaths. Most people are basically well-intended good people, I think. We're not perfect, but we mean well. And most people, when they start to get a creepy vibe about what they're being involved with and what they're being asked to do, it's not just these people at the FDA. It's, as you mentioned, a number of doctors and nurses at hospitals all around the country, people involved in the health industry. They're like, you know, I'm not, I can't do this anymore. I'm seeing what this is doing to people. I don't want to have blood on my hands. I'm not going to be a part of it. And they're saying no. And that's because they're, you know, they're, they're not bad people. And this sort of thing happens in every tyrannical society. It's very difficult to find a large number of people who are willing to be complicit in evil. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, I look, we can, we can fret over what the people in Washington are doing. I think that, uh, you know, Washington is like it's always been for a long time, very, very corrupt, a place that impact, attracts power seekers and opportunists. You and I, yep. though, have the, have the ability to prevent more mischief, more evil from coming into the world simply through choosing to be good people or choosing to live as a free person. Sure, absolutely, and by saying no, and that scales. Uh, As individuals, we just opt out. We decide we're not going to have anything to do with this. We're not going to send our kids to these schools if they require us to have our kids submit to putting on this mask and to being injected with a substance that could hurt them. Uh, you know, that's not cool. We're not doing it. We'll homeschool our kids. Thank you very much. We'll grow our own food. We will do our own thing. We'll have our own get-togethers with people who aren't crazy. Uh, that's how we win this. Yeah, I completely agree. When we come back from our break, Eric, let's talk a little bit about defective airbags and defective <laughs> jabs. Yep. This, yep. is, this is an article Eric just published earlier today. It's uh, well worth your while. Again, we're talking with Eric Peters from epautos.com. You'll find a link in the show notes to his website. We'll take this quick break and we'll be back just the other side of these messages. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. We are talking with my friend Eric Peters from epautos.com. Eric, I got to tell you, um, one, of my, one of my most stalwart listeners and a guy who I truly admire uh, told me yesterday that uh, you are by far his favorite guest on this program. He says, I just, I love Eric. I think he's funny. I think he makes sense. So I, I'm, I'm passing the kudos along to you and telling you, keep up the good work. Well, well, I'm humbled and honored that uh, you know, that that is it's extremely kind and generous of the listener to say, and I will do my best to live up to that. 
You you really kind of wet your feet as an automotive writer, and mm-hmm. you are definitely my go-to guy when I have questions about things automotive. You had an article that uh, that was just published about defective bags, defective mm-hmm. jabs. Walk us through <laughs> yep. this article. Well, here we go again. Turns out, you remember those airbags, the, the millions and millions of airbags that were defective and would spew shrapnel in the faces of people, killing some and oh, injuring yeah. many more? Well, it turns out that the same company that made those defective airbags also uh, made uh, defective related parts that had been installed in something like 30 million vehicles, including vehicles that were defective the first time and went back for uh, the fix to have those parts replaced and got another defective part. So we're on the cusp of yet another massive recall of a defective safety device that was forced into people's cars by the safety apparatus that has caused people to be hurt and killed. Does it sound familiar, like the jabs? Oh, yeah. And, you know, again, the, you know, they'll say in both cases, well, it, it, it's a very slight risk. <laughs> the problem, though, is if it turns out to be you who end up uh, being hurt or killed, it's not a small risk at all. It's a pretty doggone big risk. And I think the, the issue here is how in the world it got to be the case that these people, you know, the government isn't uh, a real thing. It's just other people. How did these people somehow acquire the rightful authority to make these decisions for us, to weigh risks and benefits, and then tell us what risks we're going to assume? You know, if I decide I want to get a jab and I go ahead and do it uh, with, with, with all my own due diligence and my own free will and something bad happens, well, that's on me. I chose. That's my choice. And the same with regard to airbags. If I choose not to have an airbag and I get into an accident and I'm hurt, well, that's on me. Uh, What's wrong is to be compelled to take a jab, to be compelled to have an airbag in your car that could hurt or kill you. And that's the thrust of my article that I published earlier today. Yeah, it's and I don't know that we see quite as as much uh, spin control or you know uh, narrative management on the part of the airbags as we see on the part of the vaccines. At least I haven't seen anybody deplatformed or had you know posts removed for misinformation because they pointed out, hey, these uh, Takata airbags you know are are yeah. Dangerous. Well, that's, that's an interesting thing because apparently there isn't the same agenda that's driving it. When it comes to other defects, the government sometimes is a little bit more vigilant, shall we say. In uh, in going after the uh, the scoff law, um, but nonetheless, not so much. You know, in this case, just as in the case of the prior defect with these Takata airbags, um, it's impossible to change these things on the turn of a dime. It's going to take months, if not years, to get 30 million vehicles into the dealership and have them serviced and have these parts replaced. Now, if the government truly cared about the safety of the people who have these vehicles, wouldn't they at the very least say, look, until you can get your car into the dealership, um, we're going to let you pull the fuse or have a, a switch put in that just takes a couple minutes to put in that will temporarily disable this device so that there's no chance it's going to blow up in your face. And then when you get the thing properly repaired, we can have everything turned back on and have it work and everybody's good to go. They won't allow that. They didn't allow that the last time, which, again, shows you that it's not safety that they care about. It's their authority and their control. No, I I completely agree. And, again, I'm happy to see that there are some people who are stepping forward at considerable personal cost to challenge that narrative that this is all good, it's all safe. Um, I have a friend who's a registered nurse. And one of the more serious people that I know, in the sense that um, this is somebody who I would trust to the utmost, you know, if, if, if the, all the chips were on the line there, I would trust him. 
And in talking with him yesterday, um, I, I was asking about, you know, ivermectin and some other things, just getting some mm-hmm. questions answered. And I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to resist this, uh, this jab as long as possible, you know. And he says, don't ever take it. And then he yeah. told me, as a nurse, he has stopped administering the vaccine. Mm-hmm. He, he just he won't do it. And it's because his conscience is telling him um, this is this is not a good thing. So, you know, other people may administer the vaccine, but he says, for me, I'm not going to do it. I won't mm-hmm. give anybody that shot any longer. Yeah. Can you imagine how bad it actually is if it's getting to the point that people are no longer comfortable being involved with it? It's no longer some remote, divorced kind of an abstract risk of somebody. Yeah, you might you know, you might get this. You might get that. I think it's gotten bad enough that people like your friend are seeing so many adverse effects or events as they're as they're styling it that they just can't do it anymore. And you know that's I think the point that we are rapidly reaching. And I think it also accounts for the absolute manic desperation of the authorities to force this jab onto people because I think what they need most of all is for there not to be a control group. What they don't want is half or even a third of the country to not be jabbed and remain healthy, which will put into stark relief the fact that people who've been jabbed are getting sick. Well, and I had another friend who told me last week, he says, you know, I'm kind of a pragmatist. So when the vaccine first came out, he said he was one of the first people to get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. But he says, in retrospect, with the questions that are coming up now, he says, if I had to make that choice again, I would say no. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. Due diligence. You know, it's outrageous that they don't give people the opportunity for even informed consent, leaving aside uh, the coercion that's being applied. Right. The doctor doesn't sit you down and, and, and bring out that sheet that normally comes with any drug and go over it with you and say, look, probably this is going to be a benefit to you. But, you know, here are the possible things that might go wrong. You should read this, uh, study it a little bit and then come back tomorrow and tell me what you'd like to do. They're not doing that. They're just demanding that people roll up their sleeves and let this strange substance be injected into their bodies with, without any attempt to explain to people what's in it and what it might do. It's fascinating, too. Um, I think it was a group called Frontline Doctors just released yep. their, their COVID protocols. Basically, they, they, they put this out on the Internet telling people, if you think you have COVID or if you test positive for it, these are the things we would recommend you do. And, and it includes things like taking azithromycin or hydroxychloroquine yep. and, and, and zinc sulfate. But, but the reaction of the media, the medical establishment, the Democratic Party, has been so insanely angry and hateful. How dare you put that information out there that you have to stop and quit? Why would they be opposed to people knowing how to better care for themselves, whether it's a mild case or a more severe case? Well, because it challenges their authority, right? What they want is the same thing that a parent wants when their child asks a question, Mom, Dad, why? Why should I do this? And the parent says, because I said so. Right. That's what they want. They want us to be in the position of little kids who just mind our manners and do what we're told, and without the benevolence of the parent. You know, at least the parent probably has the best interests of the kid at heart and isn't actively trying to do them any harm. Do you trust in the benevolence of the pharmaceutical cartels and the government in Washington or the government in your state? I don't. No. I'm not so sure I trusted him before the pandemic, but now I'm especially struggling. Um, Eric, we're down to about our last minute here. Let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit about your website. I want to direct sure. my listeners. Um, you are one of the great resources for wrong thinkers. Um, tell us about what they'll find at your website. Well, in addition to wrong thankfulness uh, and things of that nature, they can also find a lot of stuff about what's going on in the car world, new cars, 
classic cars, car maintenance, uh, pretty much anything having to do with what's on four wheels, and also, too, we do a lot of motorcycle stuff as well. And uh, it's a fun place to find a, a community of like-minded people, and particularly, I will say again, we talk about this often, that, that my, my readers uh, are some of the most articulate, wise, thoughtful people that I've ever met that I've not actually met in person and I encourage anybody who's interested to go check out those comments and see for yourself what I'm talking about. You'll also find some of them have an absolutely wicked sense of humor, which I find is essential mm-hmm. to getting through troubled times. If you can laugh, That's exactly you're going to be right. okay. Eric, great to talk with you. I'm sorry we didn't have time to talk about the weirdness of the uh, new car market. Maybe next week we could touch on that. Yeah, next week. And I've got something that's going to be related to that, too, that I'll be posting tomorrow or the next day. So we can talk then. Okay, we'll watch for it. The link is in the show notes. It's the Eric ericpetersautos.com, epautos.com, if that's easier for you to remember. We'll be back after these messages. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Once again, want to give a quick shout-out to LifesavingFoods.com. It's it's singular. LifesavingFood.com. National Preparedness Month is uh, soon to wrap up as uh, we turn yet another calendar page. Can you believe how quickly this month has gone? And in, in observation of this National Preparedness Month, LifesavingFood.com is offering my listeners a 20% discount when you buy food starter kits or long-term supply or survival kits, whatever it is, you can take 20% off simply by putting my last name, Hyde, in as your coupon code when you get to checkout. If you go to my show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com, you'll find a handy link to LifesavingFood.com. I want to check out some of the different uh, different options that are available to you. I was just looking at uh, their their preparedness month milk bucket deals. I don't know about you, but you know milk is a handy thing to have around. If you got growing kids and I've got a few of them still around, how about a bucket of milk? Perfect for an emergency. 20-year shelf life. We're talking 120 servings of long-term powdered whey milk. 89.99. Oh, Minus that 20% discount. So just a couple of ideas for you. Check out the link in the BrianHydeShow.com in the show notes. That's LifesavingFood.com. So one of the most interesting questions, if you're serious about using and defending your freedom, is when do you make the conscious choice to live as a free man or woman? I know a lot of people are contemplating this for the first time just because, you know, they're, they're kind of having it forced on them. Whoa, hey, someone is actually trying to limit my freedoms or in some cases maybe trying to take it away. And if you were to ask yourself, am I ready and willing to be free again, realizing that that decision really falls in your hands? It's not like you can go to government and say, can you give me permission to be free? Please <laughs> make me free. But when you ask yourself, am I ready? Am I willing to be free? The sad truth is there are a lot of people who just aren't sure how to answer that question. Well, there's a great article by Stacy Rudin. This was published by the Brownstone Institute. You can check them out at brownstone.org. I want to give you a couple quick excerpts of, of what Stacy was thinking. 
She says the, the modern West's sudden and near universal acceptance of lockdowns, a novel concept of government-enforced house arrest, signifies a far-reaching and sinister shift away from bedrock democratic values. When fear was injected into the atmosphere by the media, the West was a sitting duck, ready to accept any lifeline offered by any politician, even the communist dictator, in a stunning reversal of our nation's founding principles. Now remember, give me liberty or give me death was our original rallying cry. Oppressed by British rule, Americans rebelled. They fought for independence. They fought for the right to live their own lives in their own way. And this passion for liberty created the most successful republic in history, a nation to be proud of, a beacon of hope and prosperity for people of all nations. But she says today, Americans behave in a diametrically opposed manner. By what she means, people are trusting the government with blind allegiance and giving it full and total control over their well-being. Even personal health decisions like whether or not to receive a quickly developed vaccination are entrusted to politicians to mandate. Any neighbor who disagrees is marginalized and rejected. She's an anti-vaxxer. She must be an ignorant Trump supporter. Now, Stacey Rudin says, you cannot betray the concept of give me liberty or give me death any further than by adopting the premise that no one can disagree with you and still be a reasonable person. She says, when you are on board with a plan that includes subverting your neighbor's autonomy and violating their bodies as you deem necessary to satisfy the people on TV, you've rejected the American experiment. You're a collectivist. And I wonder... Have you looked into how well collectivist systems have worked out for regular people lately? Stacy Rudin says it's shocking how many people appear to want to live in a world where everyone thinks just like they do. The average person quickly distances himself even from political opponents as if it would be desirable to have just one political party that everyone votes for. Yet in 2021, in affluent coastal communities... Republicans have to pretend to be Democrats, and they actually do it. When even this commonplace difference of opinion can't be accepted and dealt with, she says it's clear we've moved far away from prizing eccentricity, as John Stuart Mill did back in 1859 when liberty was cool. Here's a quote from Mill. Quote, The mere example of nonconformity, the mere refusal to bend the knee to custom, is itself a service precisely because the tyranny of opinion is such as to make eccentricity a reproach. It is desirable, in order to break through that tyranny, that people should be eccentric. Eccentricity is always abounded when and where strength of character has abounded. And the amount of eccentricity in a society has generally been proportional to the amount of genius, mental vigor, and moral courage which it contained. That so few now dare to be eccentric marks the chief danger of the time, Holy cow, and he wrote that back in 1859? Yeah, we've come a long way since then, but not in the right direction. Stacey Rudin says this fear of eccentricity, which I'd argue is tantamount to freedom, was laid bare in March of 2020. Even when the deadly disease propaganda out of China was the thickest, the average person really did not want to lock herself at home and pull her children out of school, let alone force people out of work. Yet it was only the very rare person who made this desire public. 
everyone else pretended to agree. They decided to go along to get along. They put the stay home, save lives sticker on their Facebook profiles. They did drive-by birthday parades. And now that the failure of lockdowns is irrefutable, they refuse to admit they were wrong, afraid to face the damage they helped to cause. She says, to summarize, the appearance of universal agreement with lockdown was just that, an appearance. Agreement was depicted because most people do what's cool and because mass media is everywhere and because social media astroturf propaganda efforts are very effective. A society that wants to be cool is very easy to manipulate. The dissenters will betray themselves to stay cool, so just make something appear cool and the conformists will jump on board. Well, today, today's Americans, appearances are everything. We're afraid to be different, lest it make our friends uncomfortable. Maybe we'll lose one. Oh, whatever will we do? Stacy Rudin says we've ceased caring about truth and authenticity entirely. We have tacitly agreed as a society that true things should be hidden whenever they conflict with what's popular, with what everyone smart and cool is doing. Anyone acting outside of these boundaries, the eccentrics of centuries past, considered by Mill to be geniuses, are today's untouchables. You understand what she's saying here? In a nation founded by rebels, somehow it's become cool to be a conformist. Thanks to lockdowns, we know that people want to stay cool more than they want their kids educated, more than they want to open their businesses, more than they want to breathe freely. They will even accept open-ended vaccine vaccine dosages for an illness that poses less risk to them than driving a car. Anything to stay cool. Disagreeing with someone is too much for Americans today. Confrontation is so scary. We'd rather let society dictate who we are. That way, everyone else will feel comfortable. And by the way, she uses a quote here from Lao Tzu that's worth remembering. Care what other people think of you, and you will always be their prisoner. So Stacy Rudin says, this is how the West sacrificed freedom before lockdowns were ever imposed. We care far too much what other people think of us. We fear freedom. Freedom is truth and authenticity and acting in your own interest as your own person, even when, especially when, it makes other people uncomfortable. Why would you want a bunch of fake friends who only like the image you're projecting? They will leave you the second your social power is tarnished. And if you've never burned a bridge in your life, these are the people you're surrounded by, guaranteed. Speaking the truth, even when it burns bridges, will dissatisfy just the people you want to be rid of. The people who want you in a box, who resent having to follow onerous rules themselves and mean to force you to do the same. The only power they have is the power to reject you. And once you don't care about that, you're free. You say the truth, accept the results, walk away from the wrong people, and end up with the right ones. Trade truth for popularity by contrast, and you kill yourself in a sense. All that's left of you is what society finds acceptable, which isn't you at all. It's completely external to you and has nothing to do with you. She says, by conforming, you betray yourself by accepting the premise that there is something wrong with the real you. Maybe you're so bent on being perfect as defined by others, you don't even know what you is. Now, that would make you the perfect cog in a machine. But as for your personal well-being, there's nothing worse. You will suffer. Pretty powerful stuff, huh? 
We'll be back in just a moment. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. And just like that, we are back. I'm sharing with you an article by Stacy Rudin, published on brownstone.org. Are you ready and willing to be free again? I know a lot of people think, well, yeah, but only after someone in authority tells me that I can. And hopefully uh, the article that I'm sharing from Stacy is, you know, a nice, gentle kick in the seat of the pants to help you realize, hey, that's your choice to make. You're the one who gets to choose this. Before we go any further, let me uh, thank my sponsors, including MonticelloCollege.org, LifesavingFood.com, and the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage, located in St. George. Look, if you're buying a home in the state of Utah, you know it's a really hot real estate market. That means when you find the home of your dreams, you've got to have your financing squared away right now. You can't delay. Heather is the one you want on your side with decades of experience in the lending industry, able to make things happen in a timely fashion. The Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. You can call her at 435-703-4522. You can stop by 619 South Bluff Street in St. George if you're in town and stop in and say hello. Heather's NMLS ID is 715386. And yes, Patriot Home Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity lender. So back to Stacy Rudin's article. Are you ready and willing to be free again? She has a quote here from Montaigne, and I know you don't probably read a lot of 15th century writing, but hey, Montaigne nailed it when he said, we defraud ourselves out of what is actually useful to us in order to make appearances conform to common opinion. We care less about the real truth of our inner selves than about how we are known to the public. And Stacy Rudin says the mind-bending part of conformist behavior is this. We all know the truth. We know. We just aren't saying or doing it. There are dozens, hundreds of people who will thank her for, or email her and thank her for opposing lockdowns or standing up for medical choice and privacy. But she says, why aren't they doing this for themselves if they admire it so much and know it needs to be done? If everyone did it, there could be no repercussions for any of us. But she says it isn't happening because we're scared of telling the truth, which means we fear freedom. Far too many of us fear freedom. We fear freedom and authentic humanity so much that we pretend people are robots. One glimpse of human frailty and a person can be blacklisted without a trial. Humanity is barbaric at present, demanding a certain perfect image and absolute cooperation with majority rule or social death. So it isn't hard to understand why people eventually crack in such a system or develop severe anxiety disorders. She says, consider one of my favorite passages of literature from modern philosopher Karl Ove Nosgaard, discussing how he was banished by his family for simply telling the truth in his epic autobiographical novel. He says, the social dimension is what keeps us in our places, which makes it possible for us to live together. The individual dimension is what ensures that we don't merge into each other, but the social dimension is based on taking one another into consideration. We also do this by hiding our feelings, not saying what we think, if what we feel or think affects others. The social dimension is also based on showing some things and hiding others. 
what should be shown and what should be hidden are not subject to disagreement. The regulatory mechanism is shame. And he says, one of the questions this book raised for me when I was writing it was, what was there to gain by contravening social norms, by describing what no one wants to be described, in other words, the secret and the hidden? He says, let me put it another way. What value is there in not taking others into account? The social dimension is the world as it should be. Everything that is not as it should be, should be hidden. And he gives the example. My father drank himself to death. That's not how it should be. That has to be hidden. My heart yearned for another woman. That's not how it should be. It must be hidden. But he was my father, and it was my heart. End quote. Now, Stacy Rudin says, What is there to gain by calling Nosgard a freak and rejecting him when we know these things happen all the time, specifically alcoholism and infidelity? Shouldn't we revere him for his brave example, for his confidence? She says, I find his display of human vulnerability incredibly attractive, perhaps because I see so little of it in my daily life. I'm tired of the display of perfect people with perfect lives and perfectly scheduled perfect kids on the path to Harvard. I want the mess and I want to show my mess and still be loved and accepted. Nosgaard, she says, I guess is the rare modern eccentric. He puts it all out there. Here's another quote discussing the purpose of, purpose of publishing a novel so true he lost family members over it. Quote, I was there, turning 40. I had a beautiful wife, three beautiful kids. I loved them all. But still, I wasn't truly happy. It's not necessarily the curse of the writer, this, but maybe it's the curse of the writer to be aware of it. To ask, why is all this, all I've got, not enough? That's what I'm really searching for in this whole thing, an answer to that question, end quote. As Stacy Rudin says, maybe that's the heart of it all, even the heart of the current crisis. We are all so empty despite having it all because it all has been defined by something other than us. Hollywood, the media, popular politicians, they're telling us what to be and we have listened, and we are miserable. We are lying, pretending, putting on a show, hiding our pain with drugs, drink, porn, overspending, things that they sell us. And she says the end result of this entire exercise in anti-self-development is lockdowns and forced perpetual vaccinations. A segregated society with everyone suspicious of everyone else and technological apartheid on the horizon. Slavery. If we had all defined ourselves, instead of turning into a mass with one hive mind, afraid of any differences of freedom, would we be here? She says, I don't think so. We'd be healthy, happy, and free. But we've neglected individuality in pursuit of perfect conformity. And as a result, we've become a miserable society filled with miserable people who will never feel safe enough. There is no boundary they will not cross in pursuit of perfect compliance with the rules, doing anything and everything that's needed to be cool today, as defined by the Today Show. Come to our all-vaccinated wedding. I won't play tennis with the unvaccinated, despite the fact that I took my own vaccine and stand 40 feet away. This is what we've become. So Stacy Rudin says we must simply revisit truth and authenticity sometime very soon. We urgently need to find what's real in all of this fake, and that can't be done without individual human voices. So she says, if you care about liberty, you must do this one scary thing. 
You ready for this? Are you sitting down? Do you have a friend to drive you home? Okay, this is what you have to do. Embrace it. Be free. But here's the kicker. To be free, you have to be inconsiderate. Yes, inconsiderate to others, particularly those who are demanding you have to do this or else, but rather considerate to yourself. Speak now or forever hold your peace. Now, I know for some people there might be a little tinge of discomfort. That, hey, wait a minute. Aren't there people who have a claim on my life? And this is not to say that, hey, you know, to be free, you've got to disregard any vows you took, you took, any promises you made. That's not being free. That's just being libertine. The problem is when someone is demanding that you do something or someone is insisting that you submit to their authority, do they have legitimate authority? And too often, if it's, you know, anyone in a position of, you know, public officialdom, or if they're wearing a lab coat, or if they're wearing a uniform, or if they're wearing the business suit of a politician, if they say we have to do it, well, we have to do it. See, I've got this whole new appreciation for what it means to to be defiant, to be willing to be an outlaw. And by the way, it doesn't mean, you know, you put a handkerchief over your face and go hold up stagecoaches out along the road. No, you don't have to be a highwayman to be an outlaw. To be an outlaw, you just have to be willing to live your life freely, peaceably, cognizant of other people's rights and and having a a determination, I'm not going to violate their rights. But at the same time, you have made your decision that you will not live under any law to which you have not freely consented. Now, this kind of language scares the crap out of people of a controlling nature. And that's good. Maybe it should. <laughs> so there's, there's your uh, kick in the seat of the pants right there. Be free. Don't be afraid of it. Yes, there are risks. Yes, people may look at you funny. You may have to actually part ways with polite society. And this is a decision that's going to come to every single one of us at some point. We have to decide, will I go along to get along? Will I just sit here and try to be quiet and not draw attention to myself? If you're determined that you're going to be a free individual and you're going to use that freedom for good purposes, you better get used to the idea that at some level you're going to suffer for your beliefs. It's okay. Everybody else has who has chosen that path. And thank goodness... Because they've influenced the world for the better in ways that we can't even begin to count. This is The Brian Hyde Show. A trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hi there and welcome to the show. This is where we revel in wrong think on a pretty much a daily basis. And it sounds like a terribly subversive activity, but it's actually... It's, it's necessary if you want to survive in a society where misinformation, disinformation, distraction, and control is becoming the norm. 
It's about seeing the world clearly as it is. It's about knowing who you are and knowing what you stand for and then having the right kind of impact on the world around you. I know it sounds kind of lofty, but hey, here we are in the midst of some of the most interesting times ever. I'm just very grateful to uh, to have this small platform to be able to to uh, share some ideas that, of hopefully useful information. Um, before I thank my sponsors, which I'll do here in a second, I want to tell you how much I appreciate hearing from you. And and there there are numerous ways that you can can get messages to me. Um, a lot of people are using the email feature. You can just go to my uh, website, thebrianhideshow.com. I publish daily show notes. Every time that I do an episode, I give you links to the various guests that I have, the the various information sources that I'm sharing in the course of the show. But at the bottom of the show notes, there's a place where you can leave comments and people are doing this. And this is one of the comments that I get often, and that is, thank you for sharing this information, giving us insight or at least giving us some clarity on what's going on in the world. And thank you for doing it in a way that doesn't drive me crazy or and, and I'm going to interpret that, and maybe I'm interpreting this wrong, that doesn't add to whatever fear or anger or, you know, unknown uh, emotions, you know, may, may be simmering there under the surface. Because I, I, I look at what much of the mass media does, and it really seems accurate to describe them more as a fear delivery system. Case in point. This last weekend, I think it was the sixth time, maybe the seventh time, that uh, mass media, along with some of the politicians in Washington, D.C., were issuing breathless threat, you know, breathless warnings, rather, about the threat of right-wing violence. Oh, you know, the most dangerous thing that we face in the world today. And for the sixth time, nothing happened. But at least it gave CNN and some of these other outlets, you know, a chance to to publish scary stories, to reinforce that fear, you know, provide another supplement to people. That is not the goal of this show. I'm, I'm willing to take a hard, unflinching look at truths that are not necessarily pleasant. We live in some pretty interesting times, as we're going to talk about in just a few moments. But that doesn't mean we have to live our lives either in a state of constant fear and trepidation or in a perpetual state of uncertainty. In fact, if anything, what we really need is just, you know, a little clarity about, okay, what actually affects me versus what doesn't. And I hope that the content that I'm sharing with you gives you a better idea of what you can do, what you might be doing, as opposed to, you know, sitting there wringing our hands over the things that we have absolutely no control over. All right, that said... I want to thank my sponsors, including MonticelloCollege.org, the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage in St. George, Utah, and LifesavingFood.com, which, in celebration of National Preparedness Week, is offering my listeners a 20% discount. This is only good through September 25th. When you use the coupon code HIDE at checkout, you can get a 20% discount. And we're talking food storage. We're talking uh, ReadyWise food storage. Meats, vegetables, milk, fruit, or milk and eggs, you know, fruits. I wanted to point out a couple of things that uh, you may not have considered. Survival kits, for instance, water storage. They've got an excellent water storage tank here. This is a 50-gallon tank. This is not just the barrel, but uh, it has all the all the right fittings and all the right attachments to make it easy to, f- to fill, easy to store. Two nineteen ninety nine. Here's a two-day emergency survival backpack, Two nineteen ninety nine. Everything you would need for two days. 
to get you through an emergency. Here's a three-day emergency survival backpack. Backpack, rather. $329.99. Go to their website. There's a link in the show notes at thebrianheidshow.com. Just remember, whatever you decide is is worth your time and, and your money, you can get a 20% discount by using Hyde at checkout. H-Y-D-E, 20%. That's only through September 25th. All right, here we go. So you've heard me talk about fourth turnings. And I, I'm including a link in today's show notes because I'm going to be spending a little bit of time talking about the fourth turning. There's a link here that's just fourthturning.com, which gives you some of the basics of the theory. You learn what, what was the generational study undertaken by William Strauss and Neil Howe before they published this best-selling book back in 1997. You'll learn about the generational archetypes that they discovered, the, the turnings, what they are, what they mean. And you also learn about the timing of generations and turnings. In a nutshell, if I have to, you know, I'm trying to simplify this for myself because it can get complicated quickly. Basically, in the course of a very long lifetime, we're talking 80 to 120 years, you will see four very distinct seasons come and go within a society. And they roughly mimic the seasons of the year. Things feel very different in spring than they do in the dead of winter. I think anybody, you know, can can mostly relate to that. Unless you live in, you know, Palm Beach, Florida, in which case it's always nice and <laughs> you don't know uh, what, what the seasons are like. But for those who are familiar with four seasons, you should be able to apply what these uh, these historical cycles and generational cycles look like in, in terms of how history moves. Now, they can't predict events, but they can definitely notice trends that have taken place. And with that introduction, again... Click on the link <clears throat> that I provide in the show notes. It'll give you the basic primer of what the fourth turning is. I want to share with you, though, some comments from Jim Quinn. He's a writer. He's an economist. He is one of the most uh, straightforward truth tellers that I'm aware of, which is why I'm, I'm sharing his information. Now, I'm also going to tell you, he doesn't sugarcoat or soft pedal anything that he says. He, he's pretty blunt. But sometimes I think that that's necessary. And this may be one of those times where we're actually better off to just, you know, take the medicine without, uh, without a spoonful of sugar to help it go down. And his latest article published on LewRockwell.com says, is called, rather, It's a Fourth Turning. What did you expect? And he starts with a couple of quotes from the fourth turning. I thought these were worthwhile. Strauss and Howe wrote, Reflect on what happens when a terrible winter blizzard strikes. You hear the weather warning, but probably fail to act on it. The sky darkens. Then the storm hits with full fury, and the air is a howling whiteness. One by one, your links to the machine age break down. Electricity flickers out, cutting off the TV. Batteries fade, cutting off the radio. Phones go dead. Roads become impossible. Cars get stuck. Food supplies dwindle. Day-to-day vestiges of modern civilization, bank machines, mutual funds, mass retailers, computers, satellites, airplanes, governments, all recede into irrelevance. Picture yourself and your loved ones in the midst of a howling blizzard that lasts several years. Think about what you would need, who could help you, and why your fate might matter to anyone other than yourself. That's how you plan for what they call a secular winter. 
And by the way, when they say secular, I, I, I have to point this out because I don't want it to say, oh, well, uh, non-religious, what? What are we talking about? They're talking about a seculum. That's a Roman term that denotes that long lifetime, that uh, four, four complete turnings taking place within that lifetime. It's called a seculum, spelled S-A-E-C-U-L-U-M, seculum. And Strauss and Howe say, don't think you can escape the fourth turning. History warns that a crisis will reshape the basic social and economic environment that you now take for granted. Now, they say, in retrospect, the spark might seem as ominous as a financial crash or as ordinary as a national election or as trivial as a tea party. The catalyst will unfold according to a basic crisis dynamic that underlies all of these scenarios. An initial spark will trigger a chain reaction of unyielding responses and further emergencies. The core elements of these scenarios, which are debt, civic decay, and global disorder, will matter more than the details, which the catalyst will juxtapose and connect in some unknowable way. If foreign societies are also entering a fourth turning, this could accelerate the chain reaction. At home and abroad, these events will reflect the tearing of the civic fabric at points of extreme vulnerability, problem areas where America will have neglected, denied, or delayed needed action. So these are just a couple of the excerpts, and, and they may not mean much. I, I really recommend, if you can get your hands on the book, it's worth your time. You will not look at history the same way. And my, my listeners, anybody who's listened to me for any uh, you know length of time, know I've talked about this for years. Fourth turning theory is definitely something worth considering, but if you, if you accept the idea that we're in the middle of a fourth turning, you may be wondering, well, exactly where are we? Jim Quinn answers that question, just the other side of these messages. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Yes, I'm talking about fourth-turning stuff again today. I really hope it doesn't come off like, hey, I've discovered this new religion and I want everybody to join it. I just remember when I was first introduced to this particular theory of historical cycles, and once it was pointed out to me, it was impossible not to see it in action. And if you if you just can understand, <clears throat> Strauss and Howe were able to point to at least uh, three turnings, three fourth turnings, does this make sense? Three times that America has been through this fourth turning cycle. And there was crisis every time that fourth turning denoted a crisis in which the whole balance of the nation, the whole fate of the nation, rather, hung in balance. Uh, the first would be the Revolutionary War, followed by the founding period. Just because the Revolutionary War ended with the Treaty of Paris in 1783, that did not mean that the American people were out of danger. And that founding period did not draw to a close until roughly 1789 with the adoption of the Constitution and then the Bill of Rights and so forth. At that point, a new turning began. The, the springtime came, if you will. So that was, uh, that was one of those four turnings. The Civil War and Reconstruction was another. The Great Depression and World War II was another. And I'm not saying, boy, bad things have to happen. I'm just saying that that crisis always seems to come. 
And historically, it's not going to be the exact same crisis, you know, every time a fourth turning comes. But the patterns are there. And my point is simply, we survived all of those turnings. In some cases, we were better off after the turning than we were before it. In some, we were not. I don't know what this current turning is going to bring, but it's it's shaping up to be a doozy. Here is what Jim Quinn has to say. He says, I've been pondering this fourth turning in articles since its spectacular onset in September of 2008 with the Wall Street Federal Reserve-initiated global financial implosion. Now, the description above, meaning the, the excerpts that I shared in the last segment from Strauss and Howe, are apt. As this ongoing two-decade-long storm gains intensity and our freedoms, liberties, and rights are slowly extinguished as the electricity flickers and our modern civilization reverts to a more brutish state of antipathy among competing tribes based on race, gender, class, party, geographic location, and now medical status. Quinn says, we are in the midst of a secular winter that is guaranteed to become more violent and bitter as the malevolent forces propelling this crisis have decided to ramp up fear propaganda to implement their global reset, using authoritarian methods to compel the masses to comply. Now, he says, I've intellectually understood we would be faced with trials and tribulations that would threaten the continuation of our way of life and survival as a unified nation. But in his opinion, he says, the reality is proving to be far worse. The core elements of debt, civic decay, and global disorder are most certainly propelling this crisis toward its climax. And he says, I knew there was no way to sidestep or escape this fourth turning. But he says, I didn't expect a deep state coup against a sitting president. A stolen presidential election through the collusion of the surveillance state, big tech, big media, and billionaire oligarchs. A weaponized flu used as cover for an imploding financial system. An authoritarian global lockdown which has destroyed small businesses and impoverished the working class. While enriching megacorporations and the elite ruling class. And now, a big pharma experimental gene therapy disguised as a vaccine used to divide America into hostile tribes spewing hate online. With a strong possibility of violence because Biden and his handlers are attempting to provoke those refusing his vaccine mandate into committing acts of aggression. He says those trapped in their self-induced stupor of normalcy bias, with an ample helping of cognitive dissonance, do not or will not see the coming storm as it wipes out all vestiges of their modern techno-consumption society. Supply chains are imploding as we speak, creating shortages, soaring prices, and possibly empty food shelves in the near future. He says, I find it both fascinating and disturbing to observe the level of madness engulfing our world as the sociopath class of mind manipulators and propaganda specialists use their well-honed psychological techniques to scare the masses into subservience and implement their, di implement their diabolical Great Reset plan where we own nothing, they own everything, and our future is a boot stamping on our faces forever. He says they are using our willful ignorance, technological bread and circuses, inability to understand risk and susceptibility to fear exploitation to increase their power and control over governmental, financial, and societal levers. They want us undereducated and over-medicated, 
That is how they broaden their wealth, power, and control. And he says, none of what has happened since the fall of 2019 has occurred by accident or due to bad luck. It has been scripted according to the plan agreed upon by the global elites. This is the they that they are talking about, that he's talking about. This would include names like Gates, Soros, Schwab, Bloomberg, Zuckerberg. Implemented by corrupt politicians, Biden, Cuomo, Newsom, Whitmer. Captured bankers like Powell and Dimon. Corporate shysters like Bezos and Musk. And of course, the compliment, the comp- compliant fake news propaganda media, CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post. Now, Jim Quinn says when the overnight uh, repo rates began hitting 10% in September of 2019, Jerome Powell was ordered to start cutting rates and restart quantitative easing. And the global elite were in danger of seeing a reduction in their ungodly level of wealth. In an amazing coincidence, Event 201 took place in October 2019, simulating, are you ready for this? A global pandemic and run by Bill Gates, the World Economic Forum, which is Klaus Schwab, Johns Hopkins, and members of the MSM. Now, it just so happened a bioweapon lab in Wuhan, China, working on gain-of-function viruses funded by Anthony Fauci, accidentally or purposely released a highly transmissible but relatively non-lethal to anyone under 80 or not weighing 275 pounds virus in November 2019. And it appears the Chinese covered this up for at least two months while allowing it to spread across the globe. The World Health Organization, the World Economic Fund, Fauci, and the Trump-hating media covered up the facts about China's creation of this pandemic of fear. An overhyped pandemic with a scary name and an unlimited marketing campaign was just what the doctor ordered to set the Build Back Better Great Reset plan in motion. It gave Powell and the Fed cover to unleash trillions in electronic money printing to sustain and enrich their Wall Street owners, the billionaire oligarchs, and politicians spending trillions to prop up an economy they purposely shut down. It gave Democrat governors and mayors the cover to implement their steal-the-election plan through massive mail-in ballot fraud because it was too dangerous to stand in line to vote, but not too dangerous to stand in line 50 deep at Costco, Walmart, or Target. Jim Quinn says the mandatory lockdowns and mask mandates were tests to see how far they could push the masses before they pushed back. And he says the oligarchs were delighted to observe millions of losers who had no meaning in their worthless earthly existence thus far, believe they were now brave, noble heroes by cowering in their basements, ordering takeout from Taco Bell, watching Netflix, and putting on a face diaper in public even though Fauci and every scientific study ever done proved masks are worthless against viruses. I'm going to pump the brakes here because we're coming up on our our break, but I'm going to come back here to Jim Quinn's analysis of it's a fourth turning. What did you expect? Please do not let what he is sharing with you be, uh, you know, something that fuels either fear or anger. I mean, the realization that we have been hoodwinked or manipulated I get it. That's upsetting. Better to understand where we are, though, because without understanding exactly where we are, there is no way we can chart a better course. We'll talk more about that. Just the other side of these messages.
This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Our program is brought to you in part by the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. Their offices are in St. George, Utah at 619 South Bluff Street. If you want to reach out to Heather, a couple ways you can do it. Call seven. Or call 435-703-4522. You can also click the email link, which I provide in my show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. Heather's NMLS ID is 715-386. Patriot Home Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity lender. And if you are looking to purchase a home anywhere in the state of Utah, this is the team you need to talk to. The Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. Better jump on that sooner than later. So I'm sharing this article from Jim Quinn on the fourth turning. And I, I'm sorry if I'm beating the drum here. I think this is fascinating and possibly some of the most useful information you can have simply because, number one, you will understand that we are we are living through a particularly intense historical cycle. So, you know, those who are saying it's the apocalypse and it's the end, you know, I don't think this is the end. But I do think that we are definitely in a crisis and understanding how these crises come about, not just, you know, willy-nilly, but actually as part of almost like a, a seasonal change as attitudes change and people mature and generations, you know, uh, take on different roles. There's a very different uh, mindset generationally. And, and I know we get the whole intergenerational warfare and the, you know, the, <laughs> the, the generation gap. Your music sucks, kids. I can't stand to listen to it, says the old man yelling at clouds out in his yard. All right. So back to Jim Quinn's article. He talks about how the campaign of fear, aided and abetted by Hollywood, the media corporate uh, propaganda networks, the big tech social media censorship police, teachers unions, tyrannical left-wing governors, worked to perfection as decades of government school socialization and indoctrination created a nation of terrified sheep, easily ruled by loathsome Machiavellian wolves. Now, the arrogance and hubris of the malevolent globalist oligarchy has attained epic heights as they successfully stole a presidential election and completed their four-year coup against Trump. They flogged the January 6th unarmed selfie insurrection to death with their media lapdogs to keep the Trump forces on the defensive. They've installed a dementia-ridden, empty-vessel Trojan horse as president, with a vacuous, hateful, cackling hyena as vice president, as a means to implement their master plan of destroying what remains of a once-great nation. In fact, Jim Quinn says, I wrote an article two weeks after Biden's installation called Illegitimate President, laying out the case that this was a coup by the deep state and billionaire oligarchs, and he says... I still stand by every word I wrote. As my worst fears have been exceeded during Biden's first eight months in office. The Chinese control, this Chinese controlled child fondling, teleprompter reading, senile divider in chief is not my president. He says, I will never recognize him as my president. Quinn says, we are in the midst of a civil war with only the bad guys waging battle against the Constitution, our freedoms, our liberties, and the societal norms which have formed the foundation of our country since 1776. And he says, thus far, 
there's been little to no pushback from, from the good guys. The outcome of this fourth turning hinges upon the willingness of a minority of like-minded, critical thinking, dissenting Americans to stand up and stop these evil men from turning our country into a tyrannical techno-gulag of oppression. The specific events that drive a fourth turning are never the same. As technology advances, empires rise and fall, and global interconnectedness increases. What doesn't change, though, is human nature, with all its downsides of greed, envy, hubris, murder, and hate. He says throughout history, sociopaths have risen to power, showing no empathy for their fellow man, seeking power and control over their people, attempting to conquer and destroy other countries, and prone to commit atrocities on a grand scale against their own citizens. And apparently this fourth turning is no different. It rhymes with aspects of our previous three fourth turnings, but has its own distinctive facets not experienced before. So the American Revolution fourth turning featured a tyrannical despot as the provocateur. That would be King George. The Civil War fourth turning saw a divided nation with half its population going to war against the other half. The Great Depression, World War II fourth turning, contained a global financial crisis, creation of the welfare state, authoritarian edicts from a dictator-like president, and the bloodiest conflict in human history. He says characteristics of all these crisis periods can be seen during this fourth turning. As a global financial crisis triggered its onset, government bailouts and a vast expansion of the welfare state has taken place, and the president and politicians across the land have trashed the Constitution and assumed dictatorial powers over their subjects. And he asks, does a bloodier war await, or will it be a technological war that destroys our modern world? He says the twist of this fourth turning has been the emergence of the deep state in collusion with big tech, big pharma, big media, Wall Street, and the globalist billionaire cabal to strip the people of their rights while convincing a huge swath of willfully ignorant, frightened sheep that they're doing it for their own good. And he says this is how evil wins. This is how a society devolves into tyranny and dictatorship. The immense level of unpayable debt underlies everything that's happening. The actions taken by central bankers at the behest of their Wall Street owners and captured politicians are an act of desperation to keep this debt pyramid scheme afloat, but virtually assures a far worse outcome of hyperinflation and depression. Jim Quinn writes the decades of civic decay initiated and created by those pulling the levers behind the scenes have hollowed out our society and created animosities which are now irreconcilable and fatal. He says it's just a matter of time until the shooting begins. I would argue it actually did, albeit on a very minor scale, last summer with all of the various riots and the looting and beating and, you know, protesting that that took place across the country. He says the global disorder seems contrived and planned as part of the globalist reset scheme to create a new world order where the plebes will own nothing and the elites will run the show and reap the riches. Now, Jim Quinn says in March of 2020, at the outset of this pandemic, I was already skeptical, suspicious and convinced that the globalist oligarchy were using this virus as a means to implement their diabolical plan to reset the world in the method of their choosing. 
In fact, he says, in my article at the end of March, P for pandemic, I predicted a vaccine would be miraculously discovered and everyone would be forced to take it or be arrested. Little did I know, Gates and Fauci already had a vaccine waiting in the wings in collusion with their big pharma co-conspirators. It seems the plot from V for Vendetta has been playing out just as V stated during his speech to London. Quote, because while the truncheon may be used in lieu of conversation, words will always retain their power. Words offer the means to meaning. And for those who will listen, the enunciation of truth. And the truth is, there's something terribly wrong with this country, isn't there? Cruelty and injustice, intolerance and oppression. And where once you had the freedom to object, to think and speak as you saw fit, you now have censors and systems of surveillance coercing your conformity and soliciting your submission. How did this happen? Who's to blame? Well, certainly there are those who are more responsible than others, and they will be held accountable. But again, truth be told, if you're looking for the guilty, you need only look into a mirror. I know why you did it. I know you were afraid. Who wouldn't be? War, terror, disease. There were a mi- they were a myriad of problems which conspired to corrupt your reason and rob you of your common sense. Fear got the best of you. And in your panic, you turned to the now High Chancellor, Adam Suttler. He promised you order. He promised you peace. And all he demanded in return was your silent, obedient consent. End quote. Holy cow. I haven't watched the movie for a while, but I have to admit, that's, that's pretty... Uh, That's pretty amazing. (laughs) That's way more on target than I wish it was. Anything in that speech from from V, from V for Vendetta, applies to our current state, state of affairs, says Jim Quinn. Just replace the name Adam Sutler with any combination of Biden, Fauci, Gates, or Schwab. But there is no superhero in the wings ready to inspire the nation toward revolution against the dark forces who've taken the reins of our country. He says, we've now just entered one of the most dangerous periods in the country's history. We have been continuously lied to by so-called experts. Are they incompetent or do they just have another agenda? The rollout of the experimental gene-altering therapies by Big Pharma was touted by Fauci, Biden, Walensky, and others, like their media mouthpieces, as a miracle cure for COVID, which would eradicate this virus and save the world. Now, that was uh, before the Orwellian doublespeak campaign of revisionist history was implemented with haste due to the vaccine narrative collapsing under the weight of facts, data, doctors, and journalists who were brave enough to speak out and warn the public. You can see why I like Jim Quinn, right? This guy is direct. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. I was going to share a little bit more of Jim Quinn's article here about uh, it's a fourth turning. What did you expect? He really goes into some good stuff here, but I think I I may just encourage you, please click on the link in the show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. He does spend some time talking about how the vaccination narrative is beginning to collapse. This is going to be hard for a lot of people. And, and I would encourage you, please, tread carefully. There are people who went out and got the vaccine because they were rightly afraid of what they were told was a deadly disease. And this was their, their way of, you know, protecting themselves, protecting their loved ones. 
But there are some very interesting side effects and consequences that have come with the vaccine. And and it's certainly not living up to the hype that, well, this is what we need to get back to normal. Let's see. There was one thought I wanted to see. I wanted to see if I could just share it with you. Nope. You'll have to read the article. It's it's a fairly lengthy piece, but, you know, anytime. Oh, here it is. It's a, it's a tweet from a Dr. Robert Malone. He's an MD. Please ask yourself, why is the USA requiring vaccination for all with an outdated vax when many have already been infected, recovered, and developed natural immunity? Stop. Think. Why the censorship? Why the mandates? Why the constant propaganda push? And I'm going to skip ahead here to the end of of Jim Quinn's article. He says, I have been trying to figure out the path of this fourth turning for the past 13 years. Now, what I know is it keeps getting worse as time passes, with 2020 initiating the next leg down and 2021 devolving into a battle between the forces of oligarch evil and the majority of good people just trying to live their lives. He says, I don't know what happens next, but I do know the next few years will herald much pain, acrimony, bloodshed, and sacrifice on the part of many good people if we are to retain any semblance of the nation we once celebrated. And so he says, our goal should be to act in a way that would make the founding fathers who initiated our first fourth turning proud of our deeds and actions. The enemy currently holds the high ground, but we are the many. The storm has arrived and our very survival hangs in the balance. Jim Quinn says, I hope there are enough of us willing to sacrifice our lives for the restoration of the republic given to us by Washington, Adams, Jefferson, Franklin, and the rest of the founders. And he says, good luck and Godspeed. Now, I understand there's, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of negatives that are at play here. And it is scary. There's a lot of unknowns. But the idea that, uh, that we can play a role just by being high-quality individuals, men and women of virtue, of wisdom, courage, people who know how to speak with diplomacy, as opposed to just angry shouting. I think it's worth your time to to delve into this on a personal level. What can I do? And maybe the best thing that you can do is just get yourself and your family squared away. Make sure that you are, you know, among people who would would protect you and whom you would protect, you know, with your life if necessary. I wish it didn't sound so dystopian. I wish it didn't sound like, oh my gosh, we're we're heading into the dark ages. But given what's happened in previous fourth turnings, given the way that this is shaping up right now, I think this might be one of those times where it'd be better to be prepared, better to be, you know, to err on the side of of uh, this could get much worse and and to be steeled, you know, against bad news, not that you have to avoid it. But simply accept. Things have changed. We are not going back to normal at this point. And seeing that there's very little that we can do, at least, you know, on the grand scheme of things, you know, it's not like we control the universe. The best thing we can do is shore up our own lives and do what is necessary to take care of our families and ourselves. And I'm not just talking, you know, food storage. That's that's part of it. You know, having having self-sufficiency is great. I'm also talking about a kind of mental and and spiritual resilience. 
to get through this. And without getting too syrupy or putting the founding generation on too big of a pedestal here, consider what was being done during the founding period of this country, during that fourth turning. Obviously, not everybody was on board. If you look at the history of the American Revolution, it was, uh, it was a minority. Maybe a third of people, some say that's way optimistic. It may have been as, as little as 3% were actively involved. People will quibble over the numbers. This much we know for sure. There was not clear consensus where, you know, 80, 90% of the people were like, oh, yeah, this makes perfect sense and we ought to do it. Some people wanted to remain loyalist to, to England. Some people just wanted to play it safe, sit it out, let's see how this goes, and then I'll decide which side I would, you know, like to, to come down on. You're probably going to see similar attitudes today. But the people of that time, particularly those who were pushing for their independence and pushing for independence in the name of claiming their personal liberty, they suffered for it. I mean, come on. The, the founders, the, the, the signers of the Declaration of Independence, when they pledged their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honor, that wasn't just them, you know, preening for the cameras. Yeah, look at me, man. You know, they're, they're, they weren't politicians at that point. They were definitely activists. But there was a moral clarity that drove their willingness to suffer for what they believed in. And a lot of them did. If you've ever studied the fate of what happened to the 55 signers of the Declaration of Independence, nobody got off scot-free. Nobody cruised through that with, you know, out any, you know, without any marks on them or, you know, suffering any pain. Some of them gave up a lot. Some of them gave up a significant amount of their wealth or they lost family members. That's pretty unthinkable for people like us who have had nothing but ease and comfort and relatively minor, you know, disruptions to our, our luxury We've had it good for a very long time. The sad part of that is it's, it's allowed us to become pretty spoiled. Now we're standing at a crossroads where, you know, things are starting to fall apart, as they do during fourth turnings. But you and I still have great capacity to influence people, events, institutions around us for good. And I'm talking through the power of example primarily. So here's what I'm going to recommend. Number one, if you can get your hands on a copy of The Fourth Turning by Strauss and Howe, do so. And this, and you got to be pretty serious. It's a thick book. I'm looking at my copy right here. How many pages is this beast? It's a, it's a big one. It's, it's just a little under 400 pages. It's not written in a bunch of techno jargon, so it's not like you're going to have to, you know, have a separate education, you know, just to understand what they're trying to say. But there's a lot of meat on that bone. But if you if you study this book, if you look at this and you can get your mind around the, the cyclical nature of, of history, I think you'll be well served. And, and you'll be well served in the sense that you will have a better understanding of what's happening. You'll understand we've been through similar uh, situations like this before. Maybe the events weren't the same, but the dynamic was the same. The fate of the nation hangs in the balance. 
How would you prepare yourself? And again, I'm not just talking temporally. How would you prepare yourself spiritually, emotionally, to live through a fourth turning? Turns out it's harder than I thought. I feel like I've seen this coming, or at least I've understood it's going to get tough. And yet uh, I find myself spiritually and emotionally going, wow, that's hard. <laughs> this, is, this is a lot more heavy lifting than I thought. Now keep in mind, you're not alone. You may be in the minority, but that's okay. If you are striving to make truth a priority in your life, the, the best thing you can have in times like this is peace of conscience, peace of heart. And you can have it, but you're going to have to work and have to lay that foundation of being the kind of individual who is steady in his or her beliefs in order to make that happen. Again, a quick reminder for you, lifesavingfood.com is offering a 20% discount to my listeners. If you go to the link in the show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com through the 25th of September, This is National Preparedness Month. Check out what they have, whether it's food storage, whether it's survival kits. You will be very happy to find that they will knock 20% off the price by using the coupon code HYDE, H-Y-D-E, at checkout. I wish you the best of luck. Please know you're not alone. And know that, uh, in this case, information really is power. Check out the fourth turning. I think you'll find it worth your time. This is The Brian Hyde Show.